speaks is a fundamentalist Christian church. Founder and pastor, Carl Stevens. He intimidates you from the pulpit. Don't you say a sentence, not a sentence, not a line. Don't presume or you'll die. How much did you give? Oh, about seven million. All the messages of Pastor Stephen. I was guaranteed that angels would come every time I preach. That's the truth. It's just lie after lie. They're trying to divide us from each other, but they're not going to do it as long as I'm pastor, because I know how to handle them, because I'm God's man. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> This is Children of Grace, the podcast. I'm Karen. I'm Alita. We are your hosts. We are. This is kind of a continuation of the last one. We were going to do both of our stories in one episode, but that was ambitious at best. Like, (laughs) that was not going to happen. Yeah. Um, So we broke it in half. Uh, So before we begin this one, the general uh, abuse trigger warning that's going to be in here, uh, mental health topics... And something that I thought of after we recorded the last one, um, I just wanted to point out that we are not just coming out here and popping off um, without having actually had conversations with the people that we need to. Um, we have actually had conversations with people that we felt like we needed to have. The major players. Those conversations with in regard to our upbringing and our past and the situation we grew up in. Um, so we did just kind of want to put that out there that you know we're not just saying something behind people's back that we have not actually said to them no and there one person does come to mind that i probably would have liked to have talked to but they don't live here and i don't know how to contact them uh and if you're that person you think you are that person definitely email us because i'd love to talk to you but i'm not gonna name names yeah we're not out to bash anybody so if we're not naming names guys it's because those are private people and they deserve their privacy unless they choose to break it. Yep, for sure. And I mean, like we've, I, I can only speak for myself, but this is uh, us telling our stories for me after years of therapy, like years. So um, I'm not here to like shoot off, but I feel like we aren't alone in this kind of story. This kind of thing happens far too often in and outside of cults. So... And in our situation, like, I'm pretty certain that we weren't the only ones that had things going on behind the scenes that were covered up or hidden. Oh, we weren't. And we weren't. I very much understand how difficult and painful it is to address that personally, but also to break that barrier of silence that we, that was ingrained in us to actually say it out loud is very difficult. And so part of us telling our stories really is to hopefully encourage others that maybe have a portion of their story in their life that might be similar to ours, maybe not. But specifically within the situation that we grew up in, for people to be able to confront those things and work through those things. And at some point, if they feel so inclined to have a platform to tell their stories. Yeah, they're always welcome here. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. So today, Karen's going to tell her story. (laughs) I'm going to try. It's going to be just scattered as this podcast right now. (laughs) I'm going to do my best. That's okay. We're we're very genuine around here, guys. (laughs) Actually, I I think how I'll start is to circle back to something I said in, I think, our second episode, uh, where I told a story about how I dissociated in the middle of a game. And I realized later that I never explained what was weird about that. 
obviously it's a little weird to dissociate during a game but the reason that was so strange was because i was dissociating so much so often that i didn't like it was happening randomly at that point like i was associating all the time to the point where i could be doing something that's not stressful not a problem and it would just happen yikes that's what was weird about it um and that comes into play because there's a big chunk of my early childhood that i don't remember when when my father died i decided to go talk to the head pastor of our church i'd wanted to for a long time and i decided that that was the right time to close up that chapter of my life and be down with it and in that i had offered to you and our sisters to either come or send a letter and one of our sisters chose to send a letter and in that letter she described things happening to me that i didn't know happened wow until i read her letter so that was yeah and i actually at the time in that meeting i said to him i didn't know this about me until i read this spring to you like that's how this how far this goes like i literally was blocking out things that i probably was old enough to remember but i just don't well and things that are deeply traumatic like those your yeah your brain like it go into protection mode and totally block those out oh yeah i shut down so that's what a starting point uh i think what's interesting for me and listening to your story is that we went through um very similar things with that but with the church it was very different for me and i don't know if it's because of who i am as a person uh or that i was the last child or that the times had changed a little bit it was the 90s instead of the 80s maybe it was all those things combined but aside from a couple times where i kind of bought in i really i was always a problem <laughs> in that church i distinctly remember being in kindergarten getting yelled at in sunday school because i was questioning too much uh getting trouble in like second grade third grade i got in trouble once and one of the guys that was running the child uh class grabbed my arm so hard that he left a bruise what and our mom freaked out obviously and i'm pretty sure that was handled quickly but oh yeah mom our mother was a mother bear guys like you don't ever want to find out if you mess with one of us yeah um but that i mean i was i can remember being like 12 maybe we finally had internet and searching ggwo cult even though i had never heard it in our church like i just knew something was off i always had a feeling and i won't go too deeply into my own religious beliefs or lack thereof but i just i always struggled with it nothing that i was hearing felt right uh there's a lot of contradictions happening i i just i just i always struggled uh with that there's some truth with that too karen that like the internet becoming a thing when you were a teenager yeah really opened you up to a lot more information that i would have been privy to right and actually i went to public school a lot more than you did i only went to christian school for one year okay yeah that makes sense and i was homeschooled for two years yeah not concurrently which is a whole other story that i can tell later but i spent a lot of time with regular people yeah so that was nice I couldn't bring them home, but I could see them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's so f tricky to try to put together a fluid story. But, I mean, essentially, our, our dad treated us like garbage for years and years and years. Uh, the church did what I would consider nothing, but I'm sure that they, in their special ways, tried. I do 
take objection with the fact that by the time my dad was leaving, because we eventually got him to leave, it was in the time that it became mandatory for pastors to report abuse. That was law. Yes. So I, I take issue with that. And I'm very glad that you are able to forgive some of these people. I am not because they have not asked for forgiveness. I don't feel like I have anything to forgive them for because they haven't asked. And they don't even, most of them, uh, admit that it even happened. So I don't feel weighed down by that. I just don't, I don't feel like I should extend that to someone who doesn't want to even acknowledge its existence. And maybe that's a little better of me, but it feels better than forgiving someone for something they, they aren't going to even own up to. So I don't know, that's just me. I mean, I will say I don't, you know, some of the people that I've forgiven along the way definitely have not asked for or sought my forgiveness. And it really wasn't, in my case, it wasn't for them. It was really for me to be able to heal and move on. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's fine. And if that's what works for you, that's great. And that's what you should do. Yeah. I just know that for me, uh, and there are people that I have forgiven that didn't ask, but they, they deserve it. Like, they haven't asked for forgiveness, but they've owned up to things and been like, hey, I'm, I was wrong. Yeah. But there are a couple people. Yeah. Like, it's behind me now. I don't, I can't say I don't care, but it doesn't, it doesn't weigh me down like it used to. I just can't, I just can't do that. And maybe it's because we were told so frequently that, like, our dad abusing us was a chance for us to practice forgiveness. Yeah. I just can't do that. I don't know. I don't remember anybody saying that to me. And I'm not saying they didn't, but I don't remember that. I so distinctly remember being told that that was a great opportunity for me to really reflect and focus on how I can offer forgiveness to people like Jesus would do. I mean, if we're going to talk about what Jesus would do, Jesus would said, suffer the little children and forbid them not. Like, or, you know. No kidding. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus would call the police. <laughs> My homie up there would call the police. I'm pretty sure. So, okay. uh, or he would have been there with his whip overturning tables. I mean, right? You know. I it's, it's uh, I don't know. I could. There's a lot of words that I could say that I won't because this is a public broadcast. But you know, like the, Jesus, Jesus was, you know, whatever you do to the least of these. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, that's a twisted theology going on right there. Well, that's, there's a lot of that in GGWO, which is okay. has always been fascinating to me, and we'll definitely be getting into it eventually. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to decide what I want to actually share. Uh, I do remember there's like like I read a book about my life, but it wasn't really mine. And I've talked about this with therapists before, where like if I think about my childhood, I cognitively know that that's my childhood, but it really doesn't feel like it was my life, like that is so far removed from now and I just can't really wrap my head around the fact that that was my life and maybe that's because I was dissociating so much but I do have distinct flashes of memory because I have CPTSD it's really nice um don't try it though it's not worth it I have PTSD and that's bad enough <laughs> but I have like distinct flashes of our father losing his mind I have flashes of us literally running away wow i have flashes of people telling us we should be forgiving him like uh yeah now <laughs> i don't know man it's just kind of a jumble in my head but i do remember around my teen early teen maybe preteen years is when i really started to rebel and um i was doing the youth choir like you did but i was leaving after to go to the bathroom but not coming back. I remember that. And obviously that that became a problem really fast. 
um they're like well you can't sing if you're not going to come back and i was like well i guess i'm not going to sing which was not the answer that they wanted um but i took part in like the plays there's a movie out there that they made that i'm in really uh with another another one of our sisters was in it too yeah actually it's out there somewhere i'm sure um the people that made it live in baltimore now i think movie i can remember Carl Stevens would have this big event every year, and we usually televise it in the gym. Do you remember they used oh convention? Yes, convention. They'd put out chairs. I remember one day my best friend, who was another pastor's daughter, uh, we were late going to the convention. We were like eight, <laughs> but we came in late with our little tote bags filled with dolls and doll clothes because we would be bored out of our minds. And her dad was speaking and immediately called us out in front of everyone. For being late and me like my tiny kid self was just like uh i wish you could see my face right now but it's probably for the best that no one else can see our faces during this entire thing yeah um but there's that i remember carl stevens coming to maine at one point i think that's when the head pastor became a, a doctor officially in there <gasps> yes terms. i remember that do you remember that yes yep i remember seeing him meeting him creepy dude didn't like him he always kind of had this air too that he knew in his mind that he was better than everybody around him that's what i got from being near him but i didn't know him well so i really couldn't say for sure yeah uh and then because it, it really wraps into schooling too because i went to public school until fourth grade christian school in fifth grade homeschooled in sixth grade yeah both alone and with other kids that were being homeschooled that's complicated and then i went back to school in seventh grade where no one remembered me oh that's the worst time to go to a new school. I was bullied incessantly in the Christian school. It was bad. Um, worst bullying I ever got in my life was at the Christian school. Yeah, I was bullied pretty badly in junior high in that school as well. It's a really insular group, and that can happen. And I was an outsider. So anyways, after all that, I went back to public school. And in that time, I kind of got sucked back into the youth group by some people that I was friends with. And there's actually one summer that I went to to Christian camp, and I really got into it. Like, looking back on it now, it kind of freaks me out. But I was like, I was so in it that when I got home from camp, I immediately got on AIM instant messenger. And I, I messaged all my friends from school and told them that if they weren't going to be Christians, I couldn't hang out with them anymore. Because that was so important to me in my life now. And that lasted about a month. Uh, and I just, it blows my mind that... <sighs> I don't, I don't want to offend you or anyone who believes in God because you, I mean, you do you. It's fine with me. Um, but it, even with my predisposition to question things, they were even able to suck me in at one point when I was so firmly pulling away. Like, they're so good. And, I mean, looking back, they would use all the techniques. And they were not just Christian kids there. They were kids there trying to, to save yeah. there. And you would play all day long. You'd stay up super late. You would eat kind of rarely. Was that a camp life? No, I don't think so. They had to They had to do it somewhere else. I think it ended up being in Poland Springs. And it was, it was beautiful. Okay, so it was more like a New England camp versus the big camp. Yeah, but it was it was rented for just... Um, it was multiple churches. I really don't know who else was involved. But it was quite a few churches. Nice. And there were quite a few kids there. Some were religious, some weren't. Uh, but obviously the goal was to make them leave religious. And they sure did it. They did it. They did a great job. It's weird to look back on now for me. I don't know. I it, Cults are weird, dude. That's all I have to say. Like, you, you 
might be the smartest person in the world. You might question everything and you can still get sucked in, even if it's temporary. It's freaky. Yeah. Uh, but that was really, after that, after I got home and kind of that wore off and I went back to school that next uh, fall, that was really the end for me. Um, things really deteriorated between me and church elders. Uh, I was a problem for them. Um, people would tell their kids not to hang out with me. Uh, because I would question things and sh- I would shoot off. Honestly, I was I had no filter. <laughs> you know, shock. Uh, it's my shock face. <laughs> yeah, and at that point, honestly, I was pretty angry. I I really was upset with how things had gone for me, for us, uh, how they were continuing to go. That no one ever helped. Uh, so you know, social justice warrior me, teenager, would just you know tell them that which obviously didn't go well um so i mean by the time i went to college that was totally gone i once dad left there were a couple times that we would hang out but he literally forgot me in the parking lot one day he forgot you in a parking lot he forgot me in a parking lot he forgot that i was with him i guess we were at like hannaford i think because he had to stop and get something and he we were coming back out of the store he got in the car didn't unlock the other doors because he just doesn't usually do that, and just started to drive away. What? And I threw my shoe at his car. <laughs> um, so he stopped and came back, and I got in the car. But I, you know, at that point, I was like, this is... This Did he is yell at you for throwing the shoe at his car? Oh, yeah, of course. He was pissed. He brought me right home. I mean, what was he going to do if, like, the police brought you home, B? Like you, I didn't have a cell phone. I wasn't allowed to have a cell phone until I was like eighteen. So I, I would have been asking strangers for help, which you know, great. Oh my word! I had to have been like fourteen, fifteen. Um, there was a time when I had to go back up to college. Uh, Dad drove me up because Mom said you need to just do something for your daughter for once. Good on her. And we had a really interesting conversation. Actually, he was trying very hard to get me to agreed to go back to church in general which is fine but i was trying to explain to him in the car like it's not that i do or don't believe in anything it's that i just i just struggle especially then struggled a lot with uh the lighting up of the theology the teachings and the actions <laughs> of the people who teach those things <laughs> but i also talked to him a bit about how what was kind of hard for me and i wrestle with this still sometimes is that every religion, if you go to the people that believe that thing, they firmly believe, fervently believe, often, that they are correct. Their God is the right God. And who's to say that they're wrong and you're right? Like, that never sat well with me. Regardless of what you do or don't believe, I just, to condemn another religion, when they believe just as strongly that they're right as you do, Who's to say which one of you is is actually right and there's no reason to treat each other poorly? Uh, Like, growing up, they made Catholics sound like horrible people our entire lives. Why? For what reason? It wasn't just Catholics. Like, it was taught that, like... No, but that's just an example. It was almost like they had the corner on the gospel. Oh, yeah. And, like, nobody else was going to teach you the Bible and this thing called categories, which I still have not figured out what in God's green earth a category is, but they were, nobody was going to teach the finished work of greater grace like they were. No, definitely. And it was said, like it was stated. Well, Carl was God's man. 
God spoke through Carl. So obviously, that has to be true. Yeah, and you didn't question God's man. So like this whole thing of you questioning, asking questions was very antithetical to the way that people in leadership thought. And that was at least stated. You do not question God's man. Yeah, that was stated a lot. You do not. Yeah. Like that was stated so many times. So I I have always struggled with that. And so talking about that with him in the car and explaining to him that logic, he was just really quiet for a few minutes. And I think this is the only time I can think of in my entire life where I feel like I actually got through to him and made him think for a second. And then he finally said, you know, I, I don't have an answer for you. You're kind of right. That doesn't change what I believe, but you you kind of, you got a good point. That's actually impressive that he gave you such an honest answer. Which is all I really wanted, honestly, was that someone to say I had a good point. Yeah. Because I just, I couldn't understand it. Like, why, why are you so sure that you're the right one? They believe that just as much, maybe more, than you do. Yeah. So, I don't know. He was quiet for a surprising amount of time. I don't think he was, like, super pleased with me the rest of the drive. <laughs> But I made him think, and that's really the only time I can think of that I really connected with him in a way that feels human. Like, he was hard to talk to. <laughs> but outside of Dad, um, there were other things obviously happening in the church that, for my growing up, were getting a little suspect. There was, and I have to be real careful about what I say here, there was yeah um be very careful because we do have to be careful about the people's stories right um this is from my experience personally yes but i'm still not gonna name names because i don't want to get sued uh there was one pastor in particular that uh was very keen on young girls including myself giving them back rubs oh yes um there's that same person uh you know had a female around that was a young female that probably shouldn't have been around as much as they were um there was a pastor who uh was married but that did not stop him from uh having an affair with another pastor's daughter and then running away together um that same person stole lots of money allegedly from the church uh, so there was a lot going on as I was growing up that uh, definitely caused me to question some things. Not just things in our family, things in general. At one point, I was pretty involved in the youth group because I was creative and I enjoyed having that outlet. And I had spent a little too long in an office by myself, mind you, alone. The door was closed but not locked, making a brochure for the teen group. And I just was really wrapped up in it. So I wasn't paying attention to the time. I left at like 11. I didn't think anyone even saw me, but it was in the same building we lived in, which was the building of the church. And somebody saw me because the next day uh, I was sleeping with a teen leader, apparently. Uh, and I was a harlot. So, But just to clarify, you were in the room alone and you never saw that person the whole time you were there. I never saw anyone the whole time I was in there. Like I literally saw no one. I have no idea who saw me. I was in there alone making a brochure the door was unlocked like obviously i can't prove it because i was alone but i was alone and i was actually a pretty uh for all my shooting off the mouth a pretty innocent person yeah as a teen like that had not even crossed my mind as a possibility and when it was thrown out there as something that i had done it just stunned me like what and the other person involved the teen leader 
uh, was really more interested in saving himself. No one stood up for me. And I think that was really the last straw for me looking back. I think that was really it. That was the last time that I was involved. I mean, that's a situation that, yes, you should just run from. Like, regardless of the context, you should just run from. <laughs> it is weird to me that the first thought someone had was that it was a sexual thing. That is really bizarre. Why was that what came to mind first? Maybe because that was happening all around us. Yeah, that's, yeah. Maybe. That's just ridiculous. There's a lot. There's a lot there. And I had hard feelings for a long time. I, I mean, these people I probably will never see again. That's fine. And I don't, uh, I don't hate them, but I'm still disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, and for sure. I mean, just because there are other situations happening around that they were secrets, but they weren't secrets. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't talked about, but people knew, you know, Yeah, <laughs> sort of similar to how we grew up. It wasn't talked about, but people knew, you know, like those are situations initiated that were initiated by adults. You were alone as a teenager and they're basically accusing you as a teenager of initiating. Right. Which makes me wonder how they felt about some of those other situations. Like, you know what? The adults in the room are the responsible party. I really don't care who started what. Right. You know, <laughs> like. No kidding. It, in a building that you live in, no less. It's not like you were on a church property that was separate from where we were. And it was in a very visible location. Like, for, it, would be a, it would be a terrible idea if, if that was even the case. That would be a terrible location. That's all I'm going to say because you're going to get caught. It's in, a very, it's in a very heavily trafficked location in that building. Right. And like a, a different teen leader when I was younger, much younger would literally play with the bra straps of the girls singing next to him in front of the other teenagers. Yeah. So why was that fine? But me staying in an office alone until 11 p.m. means that I'm sleeping with someone. Like, no, it was right next door. It was right next to the door. Right. It wasn't even across the hall. It was like right there. Right. And it wasn't just his office. It was the teen group office in general. It was across the, the hall, like literally a door was right across the hall from everyone's laundry room. Oh, okay. Everyone's. Okay, got it. So there's no way. that Also, like, how will we have done that in there? It's a shoebox. It was tiny. But sure, it really, it, what bothered me the most about it was that nobody, nobody came to me. Nobody asked, they just assumed. Even after yeah. nobody came to me. I heard it as a rumor. That's crappy. And then... All the money that I had raised for myself to go to Christian camp the next year mysteriously disappeared from my account. And that was it. I was done. Like, I'm not helping with you guys anymore. I'm not going anymore. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Yeah. Just, man. But well, that's a reasonable that, response to that situation. Who would want to stay in that situation? Hopefully nobody. Yeah. <laughs> but less than a year later, we, mom and I, because um, everybody else was older. Yeah. Uh, we finally moved. And that was really... It. I'd see some friends every once in a while, and I'm still friends with a, a few people from there. But um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's very interesting, like stepping away from that too. Like when you move physically, move out of the location that you're in. Right. Just that alone puts you from a different viewpoint. Suddenly, you're literally on the outside looking in, and it really, it really changes your vantage point. Yes, and also we were very much not welcome anymore. And at one point, before we moved out, when my mom was trying to get a divorce rightfully from that human being that was so horrible to her and us, even then, 
they were trying to get her to leave instead of him because they wanted him around, even though she had done nothing wrong. Yeah. It, it It's just backwards. Well, well, it's like we talked about earlier. Like, it was all about the optics and the appearances. They needed that piano player and that music more than they needed our family. Oh, yeah, easy. And, I mean, I'm sure they wanted to get rid of me. I was a pain in the ass. <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah, you were you were pretty, uh... Um, that was a lot. Yeah, you were a bit of a handful, but... I think rightfully angry at that point, though. Asking questions does not make you a bad kid. You know, it just makes you smart. And the stupid thing is, is that if they had just taken the time to answer your questions... I mean, I'm not delusional enough to think that they were ever going to do that because the reality is they probably couldn't really honestly answer those questions and save face at the same time. But, no. you know, that doesn't make you impetuous. It makes you smart. I wasn't angry, really, until that situation. Yeah. With with the office thing, like, that that was when I became an angry teenager. And that lasted me a long time. I bet. And I'm still, honestly trying to unpack some of that like and it doesn't help that our father was prone to rage oh gosh yeah uh, yeah but even now i have to really guard myself against letting myself go too far into feeling angry yeah because once i get to that point i have a very hard time controlling it and i'm keenly aware of that so i have to actively like talk myself through what is this other person feeling why did they act that way? Why is this bothering me? Uh, how is this hurting me? And what can I take from that that's positive? Like, I have to really go through those things in my head a lot to make myself just be like a regular functioning human. But those are tools you have in your toolbox that our dad clearly never had. Oh, definitely not. But the, the difference is that, A, I was willing to learn and yeah. to try and I asked for help. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that he... You know, I'm not going to excuse anything he did. I will say that the idea of secular counseling was definitely something that was... Oh, no. Shall we say frowned upon and discouraged? Frowned upon? We would have been, like, exiled. <laughs> that was not cool. There were people at that church that were so cruel to our family that we went to public school. Just so we went to public school to get a good education, like, people were horrible about that. Imagine if we had gone to a secular counselor. We could barely make rent at one point. Like, how were our, how was our mom, who was the only one working for a long period of time... And working very hard. Barely make the bills as a single-income household supposed to send us to private school. Right. Like, with what? Like, unless you unless these other people were offering to pay for it, it's no. none of their business. Yeah. No, you for know? sure. Was doing the best we could. Right. And our mom doesn't really want us to talk about her in depth. But I do just need to say, like, there are people out there that have, have voiced negative opinions about her. And to those people, you know who you are. You are dead wrong. You have no idea what you're talking about. You are coming from a place of what he portrayed to you, our father. And whatever idea you have of her in that way, she was always doing her best yeah. she did not have the resources we have now she did not have a lot of people outside of the church that could have helped her i love you mom you did your best okay i know she's gonna listen to this so <laughs> i'm sorry that i'm talking about you but you deserve to have your name out there in a way that is positive because there there were people that were unkind to you and you don't know you don't deserve no that. she did not at all 
And if anybody wants to go toe-to-toe with me on that, you're welcome to email us because I will any day. That little little bit of impish rage in me from my teenage years could still be in there somewhere. I will cast you outside. I might not talk myself down that time. I might just let it out. Oh, my word. Probably not, honestly. But even to this day, I like the anger thing is a thing that I have to be very aware of. Yeah. I have severe anxiety in social situations. I always feel like I'm not good enough. And I've, yeah, that's still a thing that I really struggle with. And all of these things trace back to our father, yes, but the culture of that cult yeah. that we were raised in. For sure. For sure. Actually, one of my therapists at one point, she had gotten to know me pretty well. We were a couple of years in. And one day I stopped and I was like, look, is my childhood weird? <laughs> Is it a little strange? And she kind of paused for a minute and she's like, I'm really not supposed to say things like this. But yes. Yeah. Your childhood's really weird. Like that is not yeah. average in any way. You got a lot going on. Yeah. And I, we we actually addressed that in a episode that we've recorded. Episode two. About what is normal. Yeah. <laughs> we thought it was a good way to start just to jump right in into the yeah. insanity because yeah you, you your concept of what is normal really like is shaped by the environment if you're in you're in and especially if you're in a very insular environment like we were you don't really know any better until you are exposed to other things it's true and i think too and we'll definitely get into this another time but like the purity culture thing the uh i have thoughts <laughs> we should do a podcast on that a hundred percent but the the idea that like you are a sinner you are inherently a bad person and only god can save you sure maybe if that's where you want to go with it but that's super damaging to a child to be told that you are inherently a bad person and you have to be saved to be worthy even if that was true maybe hold back a little until they're old enough to understand that that is not literal, like you're not garbage. Right. And not scaring people into making a decision versus entreating them into making a decision. Right. Right. Like with my child, I've always said, I don't care what religion she follows if she chooses to someday. I'm fine with that. I don't mind if anyone is religious. I just, I've never wanted to push her in any one direction because that's, not really my place even as her parent like she is going to be her own person someday and i want her to feel that she can make the decisions for herself that she wants to make to be a happy and content person yeah and i never got that chance yeah no we we never i mean yeah we were born into a completely different situation and yeah that was never it was never an option yeah it was never an option growing up you know and you're right, the fear factor, especially toward kids, was a bit much. It's insane. Yeah. There was one day that this one guy, I think I must have been maybe a preteen because I was, I was starting to like really have some problems there. This one guy told me about how sometimes at night he would open his eyes and he would see a dark shadow in his room. And he knew that that was Satan telling him he was doing something wrong. And that that was going to happen to me. What? That's not creepy. Like that, that, every once in a while, Lita, I'm not kidding. There are times that I'll wake up in the night and that will come right to my head and I will get like. Uh, yeah, that would freak me out. To this day. Like that is. That would what? freak me out. Why would you say that to a child? 
why <laughs> what what did he not trust the holy spirit enough to tell him if he was wrong that he, yeah it, man like i guess i'm really curious why would the devil be telling him he's wrong you would think the devil would want him to continue to be wrong well the devil wasn't telling him he was wrong the devil being there was a sign that he was doing something wrong that he was like following the devil now because he wasn't totally following god's teachings or something honestly i don't remember the exact wording but it was to that that tone. is really wild a lot man i know i don't know like that's a lot for a kid like yeah probably now for you looking back thinking about how much of a pain in the butt i was as a teenager maybe makes a little bit more sense now i i mean really the things that used to frustrate me really really wasn't so much about you questioning god or questioning you know the culture we were in that was earlier i used to get frustrated i was a jerk with the way that you would talk to mom <laughs> oh i was bullish i was angry <laughs> yes yes i was like a perpetual bull in a china shop yeah mad mad and i had no control of my anger because that had never been modeled dad yeah um and I was so full of, of guilt constantly, uh, anger, frustration, uh, feeling unworthy, feeling not good enough. It just, you know, that would mess with anybody. So I it guess. does. And it does. Because I've had a lot of those same feelings from the same situation, you know. Yeah. It, is. it does mess with you. And, you know, I think the whole anger thing, you know, we are hyper aware and cognizant of it because we saw the results of what happens when it goes unchecked. And we physically saw them, we heard them, we felt them. Yep. Even now, the sound of a cabinet door slamming, I immediately start to panic. If we're in a restaurant, I have to sit in a place where I can see everything. Like, the the effects of this probably will last me the rest of my life. You know, it's really funny that you say that. I really have a big aversion to people slamming doors. Yeah, that was dad. Unless I'm the one slamming it. That's different. That's because it came from me. But yeah, right. You know, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that. I never thought about that in that context. But you're right. He did slam cabinets and doors all the time. Mm -hmm. And I can't stand it when people slam doors. Yeah. No, it freaks me right out. And I, I don't always react in the way that you would expect. Like panic attacks are different for everybody. And for me, they look different every time, practically. But uh, sometimes I get like almost aggressive immediately. Like what's wrong? Like, why is, why are you mad? Which is an inappropriate response. Yeah. And that's something that I, I still have to work on because I just so Im like immediately, my whole chest yeah, feels different. <laughs> like I just, uh, it's an instant reaction. Even thinking about it now, I'm starting to get a little weirded yeah. out. But anyway, I guess that's, that's the gist of my story. Karen, I'm just, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff that you really went through, I missed out on, you know, because I graduated when you were still in elementary school. Mm. And, you know, obviously, we'll tell this story later on, but I had a family quite young, got married quite young, and was very wrapped up and involved in all of that and really never, never saw a lot of what happened to you guys. And, you know, there was a part of me that assumed that just because it stopped for me, that stopped. And I, you know, one of the things that I've wrestled with and that I've had to come to terms with was feeling guilty that I never even thought to make sure that you guys were okay and that he was being okay to you. Just even, you know what I mean? Like double checking that it was the same for you as it was for me. If it helps at all, I have never once had that thought. 
that was not your responsibility in the slightest. Like, I, I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, I know that in my head. Like, I know that, you know, and there are a million very valid reasons why I wouldn't have had that thought, not the least of which was I was a very young parent. Right. With a young baby, you know, at a young age with a husband, and we had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> you know, that takes up a lot of your time when that when things are like that. But, you know, it's, you know, there's that whole thing, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, you see things in hindsight, and you're like, why did that not even occur to me? Yes. To make sure that just because dad wasn't being that way to me, that he wasn't being that way to them. I mean, that's just... Every time we get to the end of one of these little bits, it, I'm reminded of the duality of literally everything we're talking about. Our dad, to some people, he was amazing, an angel, incredible pianist, perfect. Yeah. To us, he was a monster. The church, the church in general, can be amazing. But also, when you give people power, they can abuse that. Mm -hmm. Like, there are two sides to everything. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I know, but it just, it keeps coming back to that. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, though. I get what you're saying. And, like, it is like that. Like, what some people saw right. was not our reality, you know? And what our reality was was not what other people saw. Like, you know, like, you're right. You know, there is there was the very public front. Yes. And then there was, like, in the Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. And not a lot of people saw the man behind the curtain. And the people that did see the man behind the curtain absolutely, in my mind, failed in their obligation to protect the people they should have protected. Legal obligation, might I add. Yes. Just say. But also a very strong moral one. Yes. And not to get on a soapbox here, but I'm gonna for a second. Every step of the way in in this story from our lives, in the story from GGWO, in the story from literally every cult ever, every step of the way, there is more than one person that had the opportunity to make the right decision yeah. or the wrong decision. And the choice to make the wrong decision is what has negatively impacted our lives. It has negatively impacted many lives, mm -hmm. not just in GGWO. And it can even happen on a political scale. Yeah. Like, you have the option to do what is the right thing or what you want to do, which is often not necessarily the right thing. Sometimes it is. But you, you have choices in life. And our father didn't make the right choices. The people that were supposed to protect their their church-going flock didn't make the right choices. And if any of those people along the way had made a different choice, it really could have literally changed our lives. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, going back to that whole God's man thing, like that was taught as they were the shepherd of the flock. That's why I said that word. I couldn't think of another one. I was trying to get away from it, but I just couldn't. Yeah. And that flock included us. Oh, yeah. Like just because we didn't have this massive talent to bring to the table didn't make us any less valuable. In fact, the fact that we were children... Right. Should have made us more valuable. Well, and like, even if you're going to be selfish and think of it that way, who's to say that this genius pianist wasn't going to have children that were also genius in some way? I'm just saying, like, if you're going to be a selfish jerk face about it, we could have been helpful, too. You don't know. And guess what? We are all very creative and talented in our way. We kind of are. And I'm not saying that to, like, brag. That's just the reality of it. Well, everybody has their thing in life, but... 
but all four of us have major creative artistic talents yeah that probably the one good thing we got out of this whole situation <laughs> i don't think that's just dad though i don't know if you've ever looked at mom's photography she's got the eye for it well, interesting like i'm impressed okay. i didn't realize but so when dad died i got all of his like photo books i still have them okay but some of them were photos from their honeymoon oh. and stuff and she took all these amazing photos like they are interesting beautiful I'll have to see if I can. I'll ask her permission first. I'll see if we can post a few of the Instagram. Oh, that'd be cool. There, There's some really cool ones in there, and I just... Mom is very talented, and Mom is also a very compassionate, kind person. She's going to kill us, though, for talking about her so much. We love you, though. It's all good things. <laughs> it's all good things. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. Well, we probably should leave it there. Yeah. So, as always, if anything in this episode has um, confronted something in you um, and has made you feel a certain way or uh, maybe even triggered something, you know, we will include notes um, for resources that you can reach out to. Um, and certainly, you're welcome to reach out to us as well. And we're happy to try to connect you with resources as well. Um, and we want you to take care of yourself. Um, but also, you know, if this is something that you feel is important and relevant and has been helpful for you, we would definitely appreciate hearing that from you at our email. Um, also, a review would be fantastic. Share with your friends. Um, and we hope that this has been helpful um, in some small way to somebody who either grew up in a similar situation to us um, or has just been struggling with these same issues in life. For sure. Because I keep having moments of panic where I'm like, are we doing the right thing here? But I keep coming back to like, this might actually help somebody. Yeah. It could do that. That is my hope. I really hope so. Like that's really, yeah. ultimately that's our goal. It really has nothing to do with wanting to criticize or bash someone or something unnecessarily. It's that these kinds of things thrive in cultures of silence they sure do and if you're listening to this and you were involved in this and you're thinking to yourself wow they're being really mean to me maybe sit in that for a minute and think about why you feel that way and why we might be talking about you this way maybe just sit with that for a minute like if you're feeling like you you did something wrong maybe maybe you did maybe it's worth thinking about maybe you did and that's you know maybe you know okay people do things wrong sometimes it's about learning from them. It's what you do with it when you are confronted with that. Right. It's like acknowledging that it exists, realizing it's a problem for you, and working on it. Yeah. All you have to do is that easy. It is that easy. It's, it's I mean, not it sounds easy. easy. It's that simple, but it's not always easy. <laughs> That's fair. It's very simple. <laughs> the logic is there. It's work. It, the work is hard, and it's a lot of work, and I'm still, I'm still doing that work. Me too. Years and years later. Me too. And it probably will be forever. But the work is worth it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, if you want to email us, it is uh, childrenofgracepodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to do that. We'd be happy to hear from you. All right. Sounds good. Take care, everyone. Adios. Right. Bye. <laughs>